0: Okay, welcome, welcome. This is episode two of Humans Being. Thanks for joining us. This is Nick, and with me is Ashley. Say hi, Ash. Hello. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing okie-dokie.
0: Good, good. So, in our know, last episode, we were talking all about God mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, science versus religion, and uh, how do we draw the lines between what's right and wrong, Uh, you know, are we going to look through the microscope or are we going to look through the Bible, all that sort of stuff. And um, I think today we want to talk about identity Mm -hmm. and how we're sort of sold an identity or there's a lot of industry that seeks to sell us a sense of identity, isn't there?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think a lot of that industry is in Hollywood.
1: Yes. A lot of it has to do with, I think we had, maybe we had touched on this the last time, but the formation of story and our our stories and our definitions and our terminology and our language, that all helps to define who and what we are. So, when it comes to identity, it only makes sense that Hollywood, who is in charge of a lot of the language and a lot of the story, would want to have control over that.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think we often make the mistake of thinking that politics drives culture, government drives culture, but I think it's the other way around. I think I think um politics is downstream from culture.
1: Yeah, definitely because uh, if you think about it, it's the it's the people who in in a way, not all the time, but in a way it's kind of the people who appoint the leaders or the people who allow the leaders to come into being. So a lot of times our values end up being reflected in the in the politics.
0: Yes. And I think unfortunately perhaps now more than ever we're seeing this big crossover between politics and entertainment mhm i think it it's always been there but it's i don't i feel like it's never been to this level like we're seeing films you know sort of cater very specifically to identitarianism and to uh, small, very vocal internet minorities.
1: Yeah, and and we're seeing this wh- with
0: Disney and yeah.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, what what do you feel like is the main idea behind? Because because we have individuality, which is good, but then we have this idea of autonomy in us in our society, which is. It it cuts us off from God and each other in a way, but then we also have a weird form of tribalism where we have these. Uh, it's it, it's uh, everything I feel like is in contradiction with each other, um, because it's a paradox that can't exist. You can't have someone who is absolutely autonomous and be in a tribe. Like you can have someone who's an individual and be in a tribe, but not someone who's completely autonomous. Does that make sense? Yes. So
0: and I think when you when you look at the social media system, which is certainly a recent invention phenomenon, I think we're becoming more autonomous and anonymous than ever before.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you feel like is the driving force behind identity nowadays? If because it, it used to be, you know, ancestry, your tribe, your um, religion, um, even your education. And now, what do you feel like the identity is?
0: Well, it's the same tribalism that I think we've always struggled with, but now it's got it's got a megaphone. It's got six cylinders under the hood because we each have a Twitter feed and a Twitter profile or a Facebook or a Reddit. So we can all just kind of dump, our mental diarrhea on the world whenever we like, and have an audience for that, and have a sense of gratification and reward for outrage, or depression, or uh, even uh, sadness, or or just anger. Mm. You know, al- almost instantly uh, after having pulled it out of our pocket. Mm. So it's almost like a pacifier for adults, which is not. Terribly healthy, in my view.
1: Yeah. Do you think that that has to do with the fact that nothing is sacred anymore? Like when you were saying that, I was thinking, well, people used to have diaries that they guarded with their life. Like no one can know my thoughts, Mm. right? Where now it's everyone can know everything about me. And if we even think about the hookup culture, it's almost like everybody's free game for anything with their bodies at any time. And it's the same with the mind now. So do you feel it's, it's because... Uh, we have this idea that nothing is sacred anymore. And so it's almost like we feel obligated in a way to, if I'm going to be seen, I have to let everything out all the time.
0: Yeah. It's a really good analogy, actually. Like your Twitter, if if you're someone who tweets your thoughts and opinions and your allegiances all the time, then that kind of is your diary now. And, uh It turns out that a lot of people are perfectly comfortable having a very public uh, diary, a very public journal. But the problem with that is that it becomes your identity on a, a potentially huge stage. It gives you a sense of fame and status and recognition and approval. And even though it's from people we don't know and probably never will meet, we for some reason still find it alluring hmm. when we get all the likes and, and retweets and thumbs up and comments. Yeah. Even if we don't have our photograph or our likeness attached to our profile, if it's just an avatar. In fact, I think it's that anonymous, it's that an anonymity, anonym, yeah, anonymity, yeah. it's a difficult word. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: It's that which I think gives people... The ability to just say whatever they want, but at the same time it robs them of accountability and consequence.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um what do you think about with the with the anonymous thing? What do you think that people are lacking when they when they wanna do that all the time? Cause I think there's something in all of us that has this um It just reminds me of when kids are being bullies to each other on the playground and someone does something that's sneaky, mean, like trip somebody and they you know, pull out so that nobody can see it's them, right? Where it's um, just wanting to be snide. And I think every human has that. And every human can be passive aggressive, right? We can all either run really hot or really cold or a little mixture of both with passive aggressive. So I guess when someone's wanting to do that, when they're wanting to... Put themselves out there in, a, in, a, in front of a bunch of people, what are, they, what are they really after or what are they lacking in their life?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. I think I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of people who are heavily active on Twitter or Facebook lead fairly solitary lives. Mm. I I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it could be the other way around, I suppose. Maybe they're very active social people and their recognition on Twitter and social media platforms is is like an extension of that. But I think it's a lot of young people. I think it's a lot of people in their late teens, early 20s who are looking for a sense of identity and... Something like Twitter lets you do that from within your pocket quickly and I think in some cases very effectively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not your identity. This is kind of where we're going to tie things back in to the theme of identity and how Hollywood tries to sell it to us and lies lies to us about it. You know, this idea that you – you You have to be one of forty something genders or you're this minority or you're that minority. You're a label, you're a color, you're a number. You know you're a digit to be included or excluded. Yeah um, And that just seems to be part and parcel to the whole social media system, yeah, whether it's by design or by coincidence.
1: You know, it's interesting when when you're saying this, I'm thinking, okay, all of these things have to do with something in the material world, right, where you get a label, and then people who get upset about that, they want to just identify as themselves, right? Like, I'm just myself, I'm going to be autonomous, nobody else matters, it's just me. So both Mm. ways, though, deny the existence of God because if you if you find your identity only in the material world well what's the what is there there's gender, there's fame, there's uh, you know how how morally good you are, how morally bad you are what kind of car you drive right like there's all th- those labels. And then if you go by just yourself, then I mean it's anything off the top of your head is, is holy, right? Like, nobody can touch Mm, it, right? It's pride. So, if you find your identity in only the material realm, you're either left with what everybody else says about you or what you say about you. Mm. And neither of those is very good, right? So,
0: no, both paths lead to pride, I think.
1: Yeah. So... Um, maybe we can, cause I, I, I want to tie it into, you know, how, well, what is our identity and how does God see us? Because if we are more than flesh, like you said in our last episode, well, what are we? You know, some, mm. a really good scientist one time said, um, you can cut my arm off and that's not me. You can cut my leg off. That's not me. You know, if you keep whittling at me, you'll get to me. But what I am is something that is, you can't even see it. My spirit is something that you can't see. Um, and we're always busy trying to label ourselves with things that we can see, instead of using the material world as something to express what God has made us. Does that make sense? We're like trying to reverse, Absolutely. yeah. We're trying to reverse engineer something and go to the the outcome instead of the source for the meaning. So um, I don't know. What are your thoughts about on that?
0: Yes, I think we've we've always had an obsession with materialism. And consumerism, that's just part of the world we've created, unfortunately. And I think now we're seeing this huge surge in narcissism as well, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this obsession with yourself. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think social media is um, very effective at blowing that up.
1: Yeah. Okay, I have to ask you, do you know the myth of narcissists?
0: Uh, something to do with a body of water.
1: Yes. Anything else? No. Okay. Can I tell it to you really quick?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. Because this is why mythology and story is important. Because when you know these things, you can go, ah, I see this in the real world now. So Narcissus was a beautiful man who all the all the girls loved him. Everybody loved him. And there was one nymph. So that's like a tree, tree spirit named uh, Echo. And she would—I can't remember why—but she was cursed by the gods. I think it was because she was beautiful, and the gods were angry with her for being so beautiful. So they cursed her to only be able to repeat back what was said to her. So she would—she fell in love with Narcissus and followed him around, and only was able to echo back what he said to her. So he would wander around, and then she would just say back what he—what she heard him say. And then um, he looked into a pool of water. He never—he never looked behind him to see where Echo was. He was just always focused on what was in front of him. And then one day he looked into a pool of water. He saw his own reflection. He reached down into it to kiss it because he fell in love with his own reflection and drowned in the water. And then what popped up near the water right where he had been was a... um, a narcissist flower or a daffodil is what people normally call them now um, oh. but so the whole idea about the echo following you right where you're only able to ever hear your own voice and then you fall in love with yourself and you die
0: mm. yes it's a it's a tale of uh the the fall after the pride mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And I think it's so interesting how w- narcissists only want to hear what they say repeated back to them. They don't want to hear anything else. Mm. They, it leaves no room for otherness. It only leaves room for themselves.
0: Yes, and I suppose that's where you see the rise of the the political ideological echo chamber.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I heard the where word— Where it's less
0: about discussion yeah. and less about truth, but more about— just validation yes. and hearing what you want to hear.
1: Yeah. And I think that both sides of the political spectrum can do this cuz I'm not about I'm not as much about what what buzzwords do you say? I'm really more about well where does your heart lie and who is your allegiance to? Is it to your own moral ideology or is it to God? Because if it's mm-hmm. if it's to your own moral ideology, well that can get you into trouble real quick, you know? um yes but if you are
0: and it's why i don't buy that idea that morality is entirely our own invention
1: no no yeah
0: we all know that's not really true Mm -mm. we didn't create the universe or design the way it works no we certainly didn't put ourselves here or have any say in how we've how we were created or how we were evolved if you want to look at that that way
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so did you want to talk about what Hollywood did? And then I kind of would like to hear your thoughts on how do we break out of this? You know, like, what do we do? How do we truly find our identity?
0: Mm. Yes, it. I cannot help but notice that as there is more and more talk about identitarianism and colours and, you know, genders and, you know, identities and things on the internet. So Hollywood seems to make films more and more about this. Mm. And we're now at a stage where Disney is, you know, making films about, um, uh, what would you call them, you know, homosexual uh, young boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we've seen this with the Strange World film that's just come out, and apparently it's not doing terribly well at the box office. Now, of course, the the way that the the echo chamber dwellers, you know, explain that is, oh, it's uh, it's, it's it must be homophobia. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Amazon's Rings of Power, you know, Amazon themselves came out on Twitter in response to the criticism and said. No, it's a good show. You just don't like it because you're all racists and misogynists. Mm -hmm. This is from Amazon themselves. And that just doesn't seem like a very good long-term marketing strategy. And it just further speaks to what I think Hollywood's getting invested in, which is reducing human beings and people to labels. And to nothing more than their flesh and their loins.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: I think we're f- slowly forgetting that we're so much more than our loins. Mm-hmm. But as things like atheism and godlessness, you know, slowly takes over the world, I, I, I think we're going to, unfortunately, identify more and more with m- material things and flesh.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I wonder if part of this, too, has to do with the shallowing of the human soul. Like the, the – the, I call it being illiterate because people don't know their own story anymore. They don't know the story of the Bible. They don't know mythology. They don't know the, the depth of their own soul. And, and when you are constantly – it's kind of like when you eat only junk food. If you only ever put something into your body that's bad, and like there are kids who have done this from the time that they're really little. They've only really had bad food. They are, Their bodies are not running and doing the things that they're designed to do. Like there's even little kids who have huge hormone shifts when they're like four, you know, and that's, of course, that's going to mess you up, you know? So if you are putting something into you that is not designed to be there, it's going to cause a problem. It's like filling your car with the wrong kind of gas. So.
0: Are you talking about like the transgender uh, stuff, like the therapies and the the the, the hormone cocktails and, and the?
1: Um. Well. N- well. That too, I guess. But I'm just talking about um, what humans ingest as far as story, um, because it does reflect oh. in the material world eventually. Like, y- you can't push something metaphysical that far without going physical. Like. Eventually, these kids mm. will start saying, okay, now I am something different in my body. But I'm just saying that when you give a human something that they're not designed to ingest or that's not um, – uh, they're not designed to take it in, some, there, there's going to be some reaction that causes something to go wrong, right? You can't – I can't put put too much pressure on a bone without breaking it eventually. And I feel mm-hmm. like with um, with humans – it's like we are—we we have taken away all the different um, shades of our emotions except for a few. There's only a few emotions that we've been given left over, and most of them are sexual, I would say. Probably because it's yes. the—I think it's the most readily, e- easily um, available emotion— for a lot of people, and if they haven't been fostered in other emotions, like if you if you only ever see, maybe this is what's tying into Disney too, if you've only ever seen love as, if that comes to your mind, the only thing that you think of is sexual, then if you are told that love is the most important thing, well, then you're going to pursue sex, right? And our world has always glorified sexuality, just that's human nature, it just does. But there's so much more to life and to love itself That people are living in a they're they're living in a thumbtack instead of living in an ocean.
0: Yes, yes. Disney's definition of love, which millions of kids, including ourselves, uh, have grown up with, Mm -hmm. is, um, and, and I think always has been, you know, love is a feeling. Love is pleasure. Love is how this person makes me feel. Mm -hmm. And if you read your Bible, you you discover that love is a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah. Uh, In fact, that's a very small part of love indeed. Love is, I think, more comparable to a deed or an action. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: Because, you know, we're creating a world that's just increasingly obsessed with pleasure and when we can't have that pleasure then we create chaos. Mhm. And I think that definitely ties into the whole sexual revolution and we just want pleasure all the time. Yeah. So do you think that Disney's going to stay on this course? Do you think they're going to do you think Hollywood is is doomed to collapse and impl- and implode?
1: Oh, I mean, I always think about when Jesus comes back. You know, eventually everything's gonna implode. I I think that if people um, start pulling away from Disney and from these ideas of love that are not true, um, and and they start seeing it work out in their real lives, like we we've we've had Disney since what, like the early 1900s. So mm-hmm. we're kind of in this we're in this cycle of it's gonna probably take people a hundred years to figure it out, you know, like, oh, that didn't work. Um, and I do see more people. There are a lot of young people coming to know Jesus. There are a lot of young people who start who are starting to read the Bible and they're starting to realize I was stolen from, I was lied to, I was handed something that was an imitation of something that's much, much deeper than that. Even um what makes me sad is i see all these young people who have been chasing after sex as either their main pleasure or their identity but completely missing mm-hmm. how beautiful it actually is like they're taking because i was i was thinking the other day about how you know it's such a um it's such a it's such a beautifully private thing with one person whom you should love more than anyone else and you've made it commitment to them and they're supposed to love all the things about you that nobody else sees and so it's a it's a very intimate thing where it's like all of my things that maybe i'm not particularly proud of or just my flaws or whatever it's known by one person and it's loved by one person and in that love they redeem me they 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 see me as beautiful even if, when i cannot um and we do that for each other when we do that but instead they've taken that and they've instead of making our basest thing our highest thing and so that we can go up even higher as humans they've made our really one of our highest things the basest of things and so they've inverted yes. like we were talking about last time and they've inverted sexuality so that it's always in the gutter and then even if it's not in the gutter it's something it's something ethereal that they're not um they don't truly have a like a a blood flesh Like I love you down to my bone kind of love. They don't have that for each other, and they don't know how to have that. And in the Bible, I mean, if you read Song of Songs, it's like that's some of the most strong love stuff you'll ever read. And I think that if young people start going back to the Bible of how we're actually supposed to love each other, they'd be like, wow, this is way more amazing and way more safe and way more um enjoyable than anything that the world's going to give you, because the world's going to sell you something that is a mirage, whereas God's going to give you something that is truly material. It's truly solid because it's of Him. Does that make sense?
0: Well, I wouldn't use the word material, but something that's unshakable and true. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something that's real is what I mean.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, I was going to say something I've forgotten. Um, yeah, I think it's, I'm not sure what's going to happen going forward. If people are going to start kind of waking up and turning back or if this is just going to get worse, uh. There's some hope, I think. I mean, we've seen Twitter been acquired now by someone who does not share the views of Hollywood,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Mr. Musk. You know, say what you will of him, I'm still not sure what I make of the guy.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I really don't.
0: Don't know what he's playing, no. But uh, it, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Uh, there is definitely an obsession with sex in our culture. There always has been. Yeah. I think it harkens back to you know, a lot of pagan views and practices, and I think Roman obsession with imagery and idolatry and materialism. Um, it's definitely not Christian to promote sex as an object of pleasure. You know, sex is there for the purpose of uh, reproducing and 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 creating a family with someone you're married to.
1: Yeah, and, and and it's also it's it's also it's a it's a bonding force between spouses that is supposed to be pleasurable, but not as the world says that it is. Like it's not um it's not cheap. It's it it really does cost everything. It really does. And it, and it's not—I think that people sometimes get prudish in the Christian community where they shouldn't, and the world gets loose in a way that they shouldn't. It's, you know, it's—there's—like we were saying last time, there's a balance between things. And one day we will not be sexual creatures, but we'll have other kinds of pleasure that are beyond what we can imagine now in heaven. It's, it's not going to be—because God is not—he's um, not a God— that doesn't want to have pleasure. He wants. He's a god of correct pleasure.
0: Yes. Yeah. He created us, uh, it, 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 so that we 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 experience pleasure. Pleasure is a part of his design, obviously. But we've in our fall, we've we've we've. We've turned it into something impure, and we've we've used it. Yeah, we've turned it into a a, a drug or a product or a a substance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also it it takes away from actually knowing your spouse. Like these people who are doing all of this, and when when all of this stuff is promoted in Disney and Hollywood and everything, it's never about um it's it's almost never about a, f- a a real commitment to two souls that truly love each other mm. and would sacrifice for each other and would die for one another it's usually not about that it's usually about self gratification and the thing yeah. is with it, within any relationship whether it's your siblings or your parents whatever it's it's you can never focus on what is this person going to give me or even with god what is yes. god going to give me right it's what am i going to give Now, if we're doing that reciprocally, which is what God created life to be, then we're both feeding each other constantly. And so there's not this need to go around and squeeze somebody out like a sponge. You know, there's not the need to do that. Um, But the world is always so worried that it's like, I'm not going to get what I need, right?
0: Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of this identitarianism is rooted in. It's how does the world make me feel? Mm -hmm. How does the world recognize and validate me? It's the least altruistic perspective I can think of. It's not attractive. It's not virtuous. It's not appealing. Mm -mm. It's just how does the world recognize and validate my existence and how does the world make me feel? I think that is why there are so many genders, apparently, Mm -hmm. and that's why we have this obsession with race or ethnicity, if you will, Or uh, color, or you know, I I think eventually we're all just going to be digits and numbers. Yeah. I mean, I I know that sounds kind of silly, but I don't know. Give it a couple of decades. Things might get interesting. I think we've we've got a lot to see yet.
1: Yeah, and and so what do you think about someone who hasn't found their identity in the correct way? What would you say like how do you start finding your identity what what even are we as people like where would you start
0: that's it that's a really good question especially for me because i have built so much of my identity through social media and through celebrity and uh, you know views on youtube and followers on twitter you know for all of my 20s and some of my late teens my success on on the internet as a music and video producer was and i think still is my identity Mm -hmm. and not just within the world but within my own head and within my own heart and that's where the real problem can be um so i'm not sure you know it's i feel like i've been through that fire but a lot of people haven't. Mhm. And so maybe it's the case that people have to go through that fire to learn not to put their hand in it. I'm not it's really hard to impart on on somebody how hollow fame is and how fleeting a worldly sense of success and prosperity actually is and especially you know if you don't believe in god uh, or you've never read the bible or you've never considered your spirit then it's really hard to 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 see your own worth and your own value as a as one of you know god's children and as the capacity to love and support people
1: yeah yeah so what are you doing now, I guess, to find your new identity?
0: Well, uh, I'm still trying. It's a it's it's definitely a battle. I, I wouldn't say I've uh, – I, I, I haven't gone through the, the – you know, all the way out – the all the way through the tunnel and come out the other end. I think it's a tunnel that we're all kind of in sort of perpetually. Um, you know, we're always facing the struggle of of worldly identity, and mm-hmm. you know, being tempted by worldly success. You know, we're, we're never free from that temptation or that reality. But um, what I've done over the past, well, this year is I've joined a church. I've joined a Baptist church close to where I live, and when I say joined, I don't mean like I've subscri- <laughs> subscribed to their YouTube channel yeah. or. Uh, you know signed up for so no, it's I've just started going there and just meeting people. and oh, look, they need help with audio mixing. And they need help with video editing and and camera work and lighting. And then the other half of the church, it turns out, is a college where there's young folks learning how to mix music and how to play drums. And I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of interesting. This is all stuff that I've had a lot of experience in. And I've met like 30-something, maybe 40 amazing people over the past few months. And I have this sense of belonging and community that I haven't really had for a long time. And I spent a whole day just talking with people around the church as they were volunteering and doing different things. And then when I got home... All of a sudden, I had this inspiration to work on music, which is something I've been struggling with is to find inspiration. But here it was. yeah so there's definitely there's a lot to be said, I think, about real community, not followers on Twitter, but real friends and a real f- family. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that is something that we're losing.:
1: Yeah. And um, I, I, think, I think that it's really awesome that you are making human connection because God designed us for that. He designed us for human connection. And when we, like mm. you said in the beginning, we want to be anonymous, it's safer, but it's not real and when we yes. when we put ourselves out there to be known it's one of the scariest things to be vulnerable but you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and being vulnerable and i remember making that choice because there's been layers of things in my life that god has taken away just you know lots of layers of pride mostly but i think when i really understood because you can hear god loves you god loves you and you're like okay whatever you know um, or just maybe just dismiss it or not believe it for the, the full reality of what it is. But when you find your identity, cause I had always known growing up, I was raised, my mom was a very popular person in school and she was just always telling us fame is nothing, fame is nothing. You're, they're lonely, they're sad. And I would observe it. I would see it like all these, I was always the fly on the wall that nobody noticed, but I noticed everybody. Mm. And it it was um it was hard when I was really little because I was like I'd like to be noticed you know Um, when I was like you know like six seven eight you know but when I got over that and I realized wow these people really are lonely and I I I don't want to have an attitude towards people that's either judgmental or prideful I want to love people like Jesus loves people and I went on that journey but then I was like but I don't feel like Jesus loves me because I know what I've done and I'm not proud of what I've done. And so I had to find my identity over and over again. in the fact that God violently loved me, like loved me enough to die a brutal death on a cross and he bled for me. So I think when your identity is in the fact that God loved you enough to bleed out for you and get his heart pierced for you and, you know what I mean? Like if that's your identity— Nothing else really matters, especially if you hold right. that in front of your face every day and you're remembering him, you know?
0: Yeah, and the fact that he's given you life and yeah. the opportunity to live and he's, he's put you on this planet where you're, you can thrive and survive and experience all sorts of incredible things and people, uh, you know, I think it's really easy to forget that life itself is a blessing mm-hmm. and a miracle, Yes. When you look out into space, there's a whole heap of nothing, man. Like there's just rock and space and gas. Okay, we can talk about alien civilizations, you know, thousands, millions of solar systems away. All right, fine, but that's not our reality. Mm-hmm. It probably never will be. This is our reality here, and it's very clear. <laughs> this is what this is where God's put us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you. So, so, so when you were a kid, you weren't Mrs. Popular.
1: Oh no, 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 no. Or, yeah. No, I was. Um, I was always very quiet, um, really overlooked. Um, I I had a I had a few friends, but it, I was just more. I would say sometimes that I think my judgment of people kept me on the outside. My fear of being known kept me on the outside, but also just my personality is weird. I'm you know, I'm a quirky person, you know? So I have been, like, the, the stuff that I think and speak now is stuff that I thought of as even a kid. And I would ask kids, like, have you ever thought about this? And they would look at me and say, no, I never have. <laughs> and it was kind of lonely, but...
0: So you were a bit like Hermione in Harry Potter.
1: I, I never watched the films, but probably. Yeah, I was probably just kind of out there and, you know, uh, yeah, just in my own you know I, and i could always observe people and i think what i what i find my my deepest joy in now instead of being like oh you know nobody's noticing me it's like let me study these humans so i can love them better because i i have a lot of insight on things because i lived on the outside for a long time i got to watch a lot of interactions with people and mm-hmm. so i and i find a lot of joy now in I learned how to extrovert. I learned how to be in groups of people and to make – and to not be self-conscious and to just think about others. And I think that's – I think that is truly a a difficult thing for an introvert to do, but it's one of the most freeing things because then you're not um, – you're not – con constantly anxious about what people are thinking of you, that only keeps you from being able to really interact and it keeps you stuck in your own world. And I don't want to be in my own world. I want to be in other people's worlds because that's what God made me to do. Um, Right. You know, so... Yeah, yeah. see,
0: I've had kind of the opposite experience. You were saying that your your mother was quite popular Mm -hmm. when she was young, but she's been adamant in teaching you not to pursue, you know popularity or worldly success. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I don't feel like my parents really steered me one way or the other in terms of chasing a career or popularity. They were always just supportive of, you know, whatever. And I think that's, I'm, I'm grateful for that. But um, when I was a kid, I I had this same fascination with fame And recognition that I carried into carried well into my Mm twenties. So I would draw things, and then take a huge amount of pride in the fact that all the kids were crowding around and taking a look at what I've drawn, and um, or if it was playing the drums. Um, I got more humble, sort of around ten years old for some reason. But then into my teens, you know, it it, it all—I became quite. very fixed on my own success again, and I would be uploading my music to my friends' web forum, and then to a, a platform, uh, and, and then eventually, you know, it, it all started kicking off on on YouTube and such. And so I fell down that spiral of turning myself into a an outlet, in, into a figure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and now I'm finding that to be really unfulfilling and just it it's it's like a university that i've graduated from
1: yes
0: (laughs) but but it's like yeah okay i've got a piece of paper that says you know such and such subscribers
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and i'm left christopher what was his name who who played Um, christopher lee the actor uh he said that you know if you make it big in the entertainment business, and I guess this kind of ties back into, we should try and tie this back into Hollywood. Um, if you make it big in the film business as an actor or, a, or, or a, an artist in the music scene, you're probably going to have five or six years before it spits you back out. And it's a real problem for people who hit their high note in their 20s Mm -hmm. because, you know, you get into your early 30s, mid 30s, and now you don't know what to do with the rest of your life. You've built your whole identity on fame and success. And well, that doesn't stick around, least of all in a place like Hollywood.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, this is is making me think about metaphysics. Okay. So you know how Hollywood has the Hollywood stars, like the, the stars that go on the ground? In whatever um, mm-hmm. you know, talking about, people want their name engraved somewhere, right? They want to yes. like have like this is where I stand, this is what I am, right? And it it yes. actually keeps you in a place of static. That's why I think that even even down to Hollywood stars having Botox in their skin, they literally cannot let themselves have a wrinkle. They cannot let themselves move through time, which is aging, right? They are, they have to stay mm. in this certain spot. But
0: Yeah, stagnancy. Yeah, mm.
1: but God is not like that. He is like the wind. You cannot tie him down. You cannot predict where he will go. You know that he's good, but he's always moving. And that's why I think that Christians, we are able to— if God puts something in our hand we can use it and then when it's when it's run out it's like okay throw that away here's a new thing here's a new thing because he's always doing a new thing. I think that's why he says sing a new song. It's not sing the same song every day. It's sing a new song. Get a new there's there's all because he's creative, he's generative. And when we make hmm. idols, I always say we idol in front of our our ideals which become our idols. Like you know when you idol your car, right? If you sit there and you are you know, putting yourself in front of these ideals, then you turn them into an idol, and it keeps you frozen. It keeps you frozen. And Hollywood is all about either freezing people in a certain time and place, like when they're, you know, they want to freeze people when they're young or when they're famous or whatever, and they don't allow them to develop. And because, because we are eternal beings, I'm an eternal soul, you're an eternal soul, we're going to be with God for forever now so there's we won't have time anymore but it's like we will literally be having conversations millions of years from now and how much growth will we have had um whereas if you tie yourself you know if you tie yourself to Hollywood you don't have that
0: no uh growth I think is a huge theme when you start learning about God and you start praying I think you realize that, okay, God is judging me and he's judging people. But is that a malicious judgment or is, is that God's way of, of growing us? Because I think that once you come to God, you really start to realize how much growth you need to go through. And how much growth you want to go through as a as a, an individual, yeah. And you, you see the error of your ways, and you see the follies, and but I guess a question I'd have for you is, you know, if if God wants us to grow and to try and to change and to evolve, which I believe He does, and He needs He, he needs us to do, um, what do you think? the progressive types might relate to about that, if anything? Um, Or do you think the idea of progress as it is in today's political climate is not about growth?
1: You know, I think it's very much um, about freezing yourself and, and getting everyone to accept you right where you are all the time. God loves us eternally, which means he loves us as we are right now, and he loves us as we will be forever, but he wants us to come along with him. But mm-hmm. but it, as a progressive, which is interesting because even the word progressive is actually against what they're actually saying because progressive in the sense that they're saying means that everything tunnels into myself at all times. And basically, I've become a black hole where I'm pulling everything into myself. True progressivism would actually be going towards God, moving upwards because it's, what it is is it's epiphany. Epiphany is when you have an encounter with someone you engage with them you learn something and then something clicks and you learn something new and you move on and that's what god is about whereas progressivism is about i'm here you have to meet me where i am i'm never changing and i'm going to pull you into my black hole does that make sense
0: yeah yeah it is epiphany yeah that's um that's a lot of food for thought there
1: i know Actually, I, I, uh, I was going through my thesis the other day because I thought, man, everything that we had been talking about sounds like something in my thesis. And I, I it might be really fun to go through it on this podcast because everything that we're talking about kind of ties into that. So I talk about epiphany a lot in that um, thesis. But I, I, when I wrote it, I really wanted to talk to you about it. I was like, I wish I could talk to Nick about this. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah,
0: we'll have to make that an episode.
1: Okay, yeah. So, yeah. But what are your thoughts on how, how do we? Oh, and I, 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 okay, I gotta go in like fifteen. So, how do we reach people where they are, but encourage them to grow?
0: Yeah, it makes me think of Neo in the Matrix, and how okay he wants to save the human race who are all plugged into this virtual reality unknowingly well the only way for him to do that is to enter that same system and defeat agent smith from within the system Mm -hmm. right so i'm trying to analogize that Mm.
1: well it even makes me think of what jesus did for us like that's that is what Jesus did for us. He, you know, He's literally out like God is outside of time and space. And he entered into our system, our broken system.
0: Mm. And he showed us how to die to ourselves mm-hmm. and to sacrifice ourselves. So I think really that's what Jesus' crucifixion was. It was kind of God taking our hand and you know, showing us, look, this is how you do this. This is what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. And you're going to suffer, uh, but you know, again, it's like, if, if you don't want to, if, if, you, if you want to learn why not to touch fire, well, eventually you're going to have to have your hand in some fire.
1: Yes, um, yeah.
0: And there's no joy in saying that, obviously, it's, but yeah, it's like, if you, you know, the, the way you learn to walk or run is by falling.
1: Yeah. And I, I also think that if we ourselves are truly rooted in God's love for us, like his, his affection for us, his, his, his um, desire to see us do well, not just like a sterile on the outside policeman kind of love, you know what I mean? It's like, no, 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 this is a, a, he's a father. And I think that what we can fall into sometimes is kind of moralizing or keeping humanity at bay and and I see this movement a lot of times on social media where it's like, oh, I hate humans. That that's a thing that I see all the time. Like, oh, I hate humans. I don't want to be around humans. And I'm thinking, wow, this is this is satanic. Well, you know,
0: yeah, and it ties in quite nicely. We, we'll have to make this a topic for another day. But yes, the the, the, the social media f- sort of obsession with you know hatred of humanity really does tie in. I think. Behind the scenes to topics like abortion
1: mm, yeah,
0: and you know a suicide acceptance, like we need to have more abortion clinics and we need to have more therapy centers for people who want to commit suicide and help them do that mm. yeah. it's just oh. for me it, it's just all out in the open
1: and I my mom just had me read an article about um, these groups of people who want human extinction, and it ties in with that and what i what mm-hmm. i see is that humans do know that we're broken we know that we're broken but yes. we can't we can't undo our brokenness by killing ourselves because we are eternal so we will just end up suffering somewhere else if we're not with god we're going to suffer somewhere else we're going to suffer in hell it's it's just mm-hmm. it's a metaphysical fact it's not like it's not even like god sends us there it's just if if it's almost like a magnet repelling you know if we don't if we're not with mm-hmm. him we're going to be somewhere else and what I see is that humans know that we're broken, we don't know how to fix it, so we just want to erase everything, instead of seeing that, wow, humanity is really broken and we're going to need God to intervene and fully, like, redeem the earth, which is what's going to happen when Jesus comes again as, um like, in the, at the end of when all time wraps up, he's going to be the king of kings, and he's going to rule and reign, and we, th- those of us who have loved him and believed in him, we're going to, you know be under his authority as the perfect king. Um, But humans would rather kill themselves than not be under a king.
0: Yes, and Jesus does warn us about false messiahs. Mm -hmm. People will come to impersonate me, he says. Mm -hmm. So we need to be aware of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And but the other thing I was just gonna say is that if we are rooted in God's love for us, we can give that love to others, not in a nicey nicey way, but in a in like a in a way like a doctor does. You know, Jesus is our doctor, and we are called to be you know doctors to the to the rest of the world. And that doesn't mean saying everything that they want to hear, um, but it truly means really loving my cranky neighbor or really loving my child when they're you know, being naughty or really loving my spouse, you know, it's just really loving the people at my church or really loving the person who's, you know, cutting me off, yes. you know?
0: I, I think that's what I would suggest. And, we, and I think we do need to wrap this up soon because yeah. we think we've, been, we've got sort of three minutes left. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that would be my advice to people, I think, is to practice putting others before yourself. And to, I mean, really, I'm just, you know, th- this is just what Jesus tells us: is to give to others more than we have ourselves. Um, and that's not just about money or materialism. That's about, you know, time, and it's about your motives for creating things and sharing things. I think that's a problem I have with Twitter. Like I was using the analogy of the Matrix. You know, I think it's really interesting. Like that film is a whole podcast episode oh, in itself. Yes. <laughs> But um, the, the the imagery there is just insane. Like Neo had to fight the nature and resist the temptations and the nature of the Matrix. In fact, that's literally what happens. There's a scene where someone's written a program that creates a really sexy, beautiful girl to walk past Neo at a, at a strategic time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Jesus does the same thing in the Bible. He says to spend 40 days in the desert, you know, resisting the devil and... Um, I was to try and link this back. Twitter, I think, is not the best place to practice selflessness, unfortunately. Like, it's a great place to 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 spread the good word. But I always find that even if I'm using my Twitter profile to share someone else's work, I'm still kind of sort of doing it as a means of lifting my own public image. Mm. And my own brand, mm-hmm. you know, like, look how considerate I am. Mm-hmm. Look how uh, altruistic I, I can be. And that's another thing Jesus warns us against is is giving for the sake of appearances. You know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing.
1: Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that the best Twitter, tw- Twitter interactions that I've had with people have been— um, like there's actually been a couple of people on there who have a lot of health problems like I do, but were not Christians. And I was actually able to tell them about Jesus on that platform, but it's not like in the public arena, you know what I mean? Like, I I mean, I always post things about God and I don't, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. But I think that as, I think what I'm concerned about now more is my close relationships and my relationships with um. If I am going to put something out on social media or whatever, like you were saying, it really has to be about your motives. Because, I mean, you can even share God for the wrong motive, you know what I mean? Like you're mm. saying, like, look at me, I'm a Christian, right? Yes. So it's like, oh, Lord, please, you know, just break my pride. I know I've got pride, you know. Yeah, so pride I think, is yeah, very cunning. It's insidious. But I think the the less we think about ourselves, like you are saying, that really is the key. Because when you're truly thinking about the other person— Um, you you know, and for me, one of my things, and you know, this, um, I'm very enthusiastic and I just am enthusiastic about many things. And sometimes when I would walk into the room, I would be very enthusiastic with my sister and she's tired. She's been working all day and I would just be able to see the look on her face. And I would say like, instead of getting offended or being like, oh, she's not, you know, meeting me where I am or whatever, just saying, okay, she just doesn't need me to talk about this right now. And I just need to be quiet, you know? And that's hard for me because I'm I'm in my room all day not saying anything to anybody a lot of time, you know. Um, and I, if I'm thinking a lot, that's, you know, because I'm like, I got to share these ideas somehow. Um, and I like to do that with live people versus just putting things out on me. But, I, but, but Lexi and I have, we have a better relationship now because of that, because I ask her, when can I tell you about this instead of just, you know. So I think it's just always thinking about the other person more than yourself. And that's just hard. It's just human nature makes it hard.
0: It is. And it's, uh, it's increasingly more difficult, I think, as social media gets bigger and more prominent in our lives. Mm-hmm. And as Hollywood seems to cater and market their products more and more to people who inhabit that digital identity-obsessed bubble.
1: Yeah. And so I think if people are going to break out of it, they have to do it purposefully.
0: Yes, like consider your motives for tweeting something online or posting something. Even if you're posting someone else's work, just take a quick moment to think about why. Um, like I'm engaging with this person, I'm saying thanks or I'm replying, but I am doing it in a very public square mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there is bounce back for me and my brand. So what are my motives here? Yeah. Um. I don't think it's wrong to be on social media. I don't think it makes you. Mm, I don't think it speaks ill of you. It doesn't no. you know, make you any any uh, more sinful than I am. But uh, it's a, it's yeah. I think it's it, it's like Alice in Wonderland. You know, eventually you, you've 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 got to find your way back home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the main thing is that Hollywood will always tell you that it's about you. And God will always say that it's not. (laughs) Yes. You know, and that he's the one who truly loves you. Whereas all these other eyeballs on you, they're not going to really know you or love you. But in heaven and and with true believers, true community, you can be known and you can be loved for who you really are.
0: Yes. Yeah, it isn't God's intention to condemn you. Mm -mm. It's God's, I think, it's. His um it's almost his pact with us and his requirement to judge us in his moral purity and absoluteness, mm-hmm. and that's something you don't see on social media no. uh if If you say the wrong thing or you you're guilty of the sin of <laughs> free thought or wrong speech, wrong think, everyone on there will will condemn you to hell, yeah. Because they they've fallen into godlessness,
1: and that's a very good point. Because they pre, they preach acceptance, but they at the, at the end there's no love. Whereas God yes. says there's certain things you got to do to be in my house. Like you you can't you know you can't do this and you can't do that. But I want you here. I really want you here. And I think that that's what is so freeing about actually being with God. He's he's like I oh, know no. I'm not giving up on you. But this behavior is wrong, and the reason why I'm getting rid of it in you is so that we can be closer. It's kind of like when you have a dog that needs to be rehabilitated. If they're a biter, you can't take them out in public. You can't have them be with your children. Mm. But once that dog becomes gentled, they can, they'll, you know, they'll, they can sleep with your child. They can be you know, like in your space all the time. And that dog is so much happier than being chained up outside in the fence.
0: Uh, yes, yes. Well, yeah. if we're talking about dogs and pets, then they can sleep with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah. Any yeah. final thoughts?
0: I think we've uh, summed it up really well. Cool. I think yeah. that's plenty of food of thought for one episode. And you yeah. need to go.
1: Yeah, I do. I need to get rocking and rolling to my appointment. So, all you want to close us okay, out? Okay, well,
0: this has been episode two of Humans Being with Ashley and myself, Nick. Uh, wherever you're listening to this, thanks so much for your time. I hope you've found it in- interesting. Uh, we don't have any plans on where to put this just at the moment, but I think we'll figure it out in time. Yep, we
1: will. Uh, if nothing
0: else, it's just a really, really it's, – it's, it's great having uh, these conversations with you, Ash. Thanks so much.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you, Nick.
0: So we'll see you guys next time for episode three.
1: Sounds good. Bye, guys.
0: See ya.